The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 29, 2021, on the basis of verses from Mark chapter 7. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Bad habits are much easier to form than they are to break. Would you agree with that statement? Evidently, a lot of people would. You can just ask a man by the name of James Clear. James Clear wrote a book that is entitled Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to develop good habits and break bad ones. Since the book was first published in 2018, it has sold more than 5 million copies and still remains near the top of several bestseller lists. Whether it's how we eat or how we work, the amount of exercise or the amount of sleep that we get, evidently a lot of people have found that bad habits are much easier to form than they are to break. And so if a guy like James Clear comes along and in his book promises not just to help people break those habits, but promises that it will be easy, evidently he can sell quite a few copies of that book. And for all I know, maybe the, the method that he outlines in the book actually works. Well, today we're starting a brand new worship series that in a lot of ways is all about habits, not the habits of how we eat or how we work or how we sleep or how much exercise we get, but spiritual habits, habits that involve our individual relationship with God and then also habits that involve the work that we do collectively as a church. As is the case with everyday life, it is often important for us to take time to reassess the habits that have formed, maybe even without our knowing, and to reset those habits if necessary. And if that is the case, then where we are starting today is without a doubt the place to start. The habit that is discussed in the Word of God that's before us this morning is not just something that's a little bit unfortunate or slightly less than ideal. No, this is the worst habit that a human being can possibly have. In fact, if someone does not figure out how to break this habit, then it doesn't even matter, really, how they sleep, how they eat, how they exercise. It doesn't even matter if they are a kind and caring and generous person. None of that matters if you can't figure out how to break this habit. And as we look at these words of God in front of us this morning, we're going to see that breaking this habit is by no means easy. In order to break this habit, we need a whole lot more than just a little bit of good advice or even an entire best-selling book to read. We need divine intervention, the kind of divine intervention that only Jesus can provide. And so if it is true, even in general, that bad habits are much easier to form than they are to break, then these words deserve our attention because they are going to show us that our worst habit is the one that's easiest to form and the one that's toughest to break. Now, as we look at these verses, I I don't want you to picture yourself as if you were there witnessing this conversation that took place. Instead, I want you to picture yourself sitting there among the people who were the first to read the words that the gospel writer Mark wrote down. Mark's audience lived about 30 years after Jesus did. They lived not in Israel where Jesus had lived, but they lived in Rome. They weren't Jewish people like Jesus was. They were Gentile Christians. 
And that's why you get the sense as you look at these verses that the gospel writer Mark is sort of trying to explain something to them that otherwise would have seemed very unusual. Before each and every meal, many Jewish people like to follow this elaborate hand-washing ritual. They had to have just the right quality and just the right quantity of water. They had to follow just the right steps in just the right order. And if they did anything wrong, they had to stop, start over, and do it all again. I'm sure that people living 30 years later in the faraway city of Rome would have read about this habit and thought it was a bit unusual to say the least. In fact, it probably would have been like if you could picture yourself living in 2051 in some faraway country like Kenya or China, maybe studying in school about this country that existed once upon a time called the United States of America. And if you were studying about what people were doing and what they were saying and how they were acting in the year 2021, is it possible that maybe your reaction would be the same? That you would find some of the habits that we have to be a little bit strange and a little bit unusual. Well, thankfully, the real value of these verses is not simply that they tell us about some strange, unusual habit, but they actually point out the underlying motive for the formation of that habit. When the Jewish people followed this elaborate hand-washing ritual, it wasn't because they were germaphobic. They weren't super uptight about their hygiene. They weren't living in a time of pandemic No, instead, they were pursuing with this hand-watching ritual a much deeper cleansing. Cleansing not just for their skin, but cleansing for their soul. They were pursuing what Paul refers to in today's second reading as righteousness. Righteousness is a status, a standing that a person has, where they have been accepted and approved and declared to be a good, moral, virtuous person. Person. These Jewish people thought that through this hand-washing ritual and all kinds of other rituals too, they could acquire that cleansing. They could acquire that righteousness. You would never think something like that, would you? You would never do something like that, would you? Well, the additional value of these verses is that they also point out a couple of telltale signs, not just to show us one habit, that was formed in pursuit of acquiring righteousness, but really to help us see anytime any habit has been, has been formed in pursuit of righteousness. So first of all, pay attention carefully to the circumstances. This entire conversation took place because the Jewish leaders were upset that Jesus' disciples were not following this elaborate hand-washing ritual. In fact, they had traveled all the way from Jerusalem down in the south up to Galilee in the north, which was probably a journey of three to five days just to let Jesus know what they thought about this. Imagine finding out that someone out in Los Angeles is doing something that you don't like, and so you decide to hop in your car and drive out there just to tell them to their face. You see, when a habit is more than a habit, when a habit is something you are doing in pursuit of righteousness, it's not just something that you are going to do. It's something that you will insist everyone else does too. The other telltale sign is the one that Jesus points out. The things that made this hand-washing ritual so elaborate weren't even things that God had commanded them to do. All of the elaborate steps, all of the hows and the whats were, as Jesus pointed out, traditions of the elders. They had 
They were things that had been handed down to them from human beings, not things that had been revealed to them by God. And again, there's a reason for that. When a habit is more than a habit, when it's something we do in pursuit of righteousness, it's not enough that people just sort of conform and agree with us in general. We need to be very specific. We need very quick and easy and tangible ways to determine who is complying and who is not. In other words, who is righteous and who is not. Suddenly this world that Mark is describing that at first seems so strange and unfamiliar is starting to look an awful lot like our own, isn't it? We live in a world where more and more people are not content simply to follow the habits that they think are best for their lives, but instead want to insist that everyone else abides by those habits as well. And again, not just in general, not just a general sense of agreement or compliance, but down to every last minute detail. And of course, in our world, if you want to enforce someone else following those habits, you don't have to walk from Galilee or from Jerusalem all the way up to Galilee. You don't even have to hop in your car to drive from Mount Horeb to Los Angeles. You just hop online and let people know what you really think. So no, maybe you wouldn't get caught up with this hand-washing ritual to think that that's what makes you a righteous person, but these verses force us to ask, if not that, what is it? Maybe it's the specific way that we choose to raise our kids. Maybe it's the specific food that we choose to eat or the food that we choose not to eat. Maybe it's the specific way that we think is best to take care of this wonderful planet that God has given to us and preserve it for future generations. Maybe it's the very specific way that we decide that we're going to stay healthy and we're going to help keep others healthy too. Maybe it's the way that we decide is best for people who are in need to get help. Maybe it's the way we decide who really falls into the category of being someone who's oppressed and how those people ought to get justice. I have no doubt that people living in 2051 in a place like Kenya or China would look at some of the habits that people have today and think that they are very, very strange. In fact, I have no doubt that five years from now, we will look back at some of the habits that we have today, some of the ways people act, some of the things people do, some of the things we say and do and think they are a bit strange. The habits will inevitably change from one time and place to another. And yet underneath them all is something very, very similar. What seem to be these unusual habits are really just a universal part of human nature. They are the easiest habits in the world to form. They are habits we form in order to pursue a righteousness that is our, of our own making. And not only do those kinds of habits have a tendency to make us bitter and angry, not only do those kinds of habits have a tendency to ruin the relationships we have with people around us, not only do those kinds of habits have a tendency to make our world in general just a miserable place to live, to top it all off, they don't even work. They don't do a single thing to get us the righteousness before God that we need. And that's the message that Jesus had for the people who were there to witness the conversation that day. Jesus said this. He said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, 
It is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So Jesus is saying, how in the world can some sort of cleansing ritual possibly make us clean when the very filth that is making us dirty is coming from the inside? How can any unusual habit be the source of our righteousness when we are constantly producing the sin that makes us unrighteous? Jesus is saying that our, our human hearts are like pumps. They're like fountains. They're like bubblers, we Wisconsinites might say. But bubblers that never turn off and out of which only flow all kinds of evil. How in the world can we possibly be a part of the solution when we are the problem? Instead, if the, or instead if the problem is coming from inside of us, the solution must come from outside of us. Well, unfortunately, Jesus wasn't able to get that far with the Jewish leaders that were gathered around him that day. But the good news is that by the time the Gentile Christians who were sitting in Rome 30 years later read about this account, in all likelihood, they had already received a letter that had been written to them by the Apostle Paul, the letter that we call Romans. And they had heard the very words that we heard in today's second reading, where Paul points out that anyone who tries to pursue a righteousness that is of their own doing will fail to acquire it. But instead, righteousness is a gift that is earned by someone else and can only be received in faith. As Paul says, it was Jesus who came to be the culmination of the law, the full and complete fulfillment of God's demands. Jesus was righteous as one of us and for all of us so that the righteousness that we need is available to everyone and is the possession of everyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus. I have to confess to you that I have not read James Clear's book entitled Atomic Habits, but I know enough about it to know the basic concept, including why it is called Atomic Habits. The basic idea is that if you recognize bad habits in your life, you should not try to instantly go and make a bunch of sweeping, dramatic, big, huge changes. Instead, you should make teeny, tiny changes, atom-sized changes that eventually will lead to a big cumulative result. Again, for all I know, it may well work. But I also know this. When it comes to our very worst habit. Teeny tiny changes are not going to help. When it comes to pursuing the righteousness that we need, we do not need to make slight incremental changes. We don't need atom-sized changes. Instead, we need an atomic bomb to obliterate this universal and yet delusional idea that we can pursue a righteousness of our own making. We need divine intervention from Jesus himself, if we are going to form a habit that is truly unique and unusual in our world, if we are going to stop pursuing a righteousness of our own, if we are going to stop comparing ourselves to other people, if we are going to stop parading our virtue in public, if we are going to stop carrying around with us burdens of secret guilt, and if instead we are going to be certain and confident at all times that we have the righteousness we need through faith in Jesus Christ.
And friends, the good news is Jesus is always available to provide that divine intervention. He has all the time in the world for us. He is on demand for us whenever we need that divine intervention to develop that truly unique and unusual habit. So really, the the one question is, are we going to take him up on it? If it's true, even in general, that it's good to take some time to reassess spiritual habits and to reset those habits when necessary, then this is the place to start. It is inevitable that every human being on earth is going to have habits that are formed for the sake of pursuing righteousness. Most of those habits, nearly all of those habits, pursue a righteousness that is of our own making. And again, not only will they make you bitter and angry, not only will they ruin a bunch of your relationships, but on top of it all, they don't even work. They are the worst habits you can possibly have. But there are other spiritual habits that aren't in pursuit of a righteousness of your own, but instead merely deliver to you the righteousness that has been won for you through Jesus Christ. And this is a wonderful Sunday to think about some of those habits. As after the service, we're going to be talking about some of the spiritual growth opportunities coming up this fall. It starts, of course, with weekly gathering right here in God's house where Christ's work for us, his righteousness for us is always the focus. Weekly Bible study for adults, for teenagers, Sunday school for children, small groups, where even when the specific purpose of the group is not necessarily to study God's word, we're still surrounded by fellow Christians and receive their encouragement. Opportunities and ways to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, into our homes and into our daily lives. Those habits all look a little bit different, but in reality, they are all exactly the same. The goal of all of them is simply to deliver to us the righteousness that is won by Jesus and the peace the hope, and the joy that comes along with it. So reassess and reset where necessary. It might be difficult, it might be painful, but know this with absolute certainty, that whatever habit you form in the interest of receiving the righteousness that Jesus has won for you, it will be the best habit you've ever had. Amen.